us in God's word. Um, we're going to be in Jonah chapter 4, and we are so privileged. It feels like it's been forever. Five um, long weeks. Bill Gross yeah. is joining us. Can you welcome Bill? Um, <laughs> If you don't know or you're here visiting, Bill is a seminarian um, and is uh, a regular here at St. John's. We have adopted you. You're just a part oh, of the family you. here already. So, it's wonderful. Um, but I have to share, I shared this at the first service. Um, so you come from 90-some miles away. I always have to say that somewhere. You are not the person who drove the furthest, though. Uh, there's Probably somebody not. from no. La Crosse here. I'm not going to point them out. Right. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. but you're not as far. And I, didn't get the, I didn't get the win today, the you, ribbon. You didn't get yeah. the win today, no, and it's a big prize, too, yeah, so come see us after. Um, <laughs> but uh, my son, uh, Evan, came with me earlier, and he ran the soundboard for the 8 o'clock service, and we were getting things ready, and he said, Dad, what if something happens and Bill can't get here? Do you just get up and talk? <laughs> and I said, well, I hope not, because I'm not prepared. And he said, well, maybe AI could write you a sermon. And we had a few extra minutes, and so I said, well, let's try it. And so we sat down, um, and I'm so glad you showed up, because <laughs> it was not very good. It called Jonah a drama queen, which I think yeah, was, was probably appropriate. I do want to tell you the jokes that it gave me, though. Are you okay? Um, so, so here are the AI jokes about Jonah. Why was Jonah the worst dinner guest? I don't know. Because he always told the same fish story. Okay, that's one. You got two more. What did the whale say to Jonah after he finally spit him out? You're lucky I didn't chew. <laughs> that was dark, right? That, that was that's, dark. Yeah. Eight o'clock service didn't laugh. They didn't think that was funny. Here's the, the last one. Why did Jonah refuse to pray for the fish that he was in? Because he was shellfish. So, you know, we're all excited about AI. It has its limitations, does it not? <laughs> we are so glad that we don't have to rely on that for the message from God's word that God has placed on the heart. I've heard it once already. It is a phenomenal message of grace. Please give one more warm welcome to Bill. Thank Thanks, you. Bill, for being here. Wow, it's, it's great to be here. Today we're finishing up the series that we've called The Runaway and we've been learning about the escapades of the prophet Jonah alongside what God did. Please take out your Bibles if you haven't done so already. Turn to the book of Jonah. We'll be reading all of chapter 4. Jonah is a very short book, and in my Bible, it's only one page front and back. So if you have trouble finding it, you might need to resort to the table of contents. If you didn't bring your Bible, there's one in the seat back uh, in front of you, and of course, if you don't own a Bible, please accept that one as a gift because we really, really, really want you to immerse yourself in the Word of God. Once again, we'll be reading from the book of Jonah, beginning at chapter 4, verse 1. As you'll soon see, we're coming to the end of the book, and what we're about to read may seem like a spoiler. But don't worry, if you've missed anything from the past three weeks or three chapters, we'll get you caught up very shortly. Meanwhile, as we read, please try to pay attention to Jonah's attitude swings in comparison with what God is doing. 
But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became angry. He prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat at a place east of the city, and there he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head and ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed the plant so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and it died overnight. And should I have not been, or should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who don't, cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the story of Jonah that on the surface is quite entertaining and, and, and sometimes fun to read, but really it's a story about us that becomes uncomfortable in very short order. Lord, we thank you that you are a loving and gracious God and we ask your forgiveness for the times that we become rebellious or try to run away and angry about your love and compassion. And so, Lord, we thank you for your son, Jesus, and we pray in his name. Amen. Well, it's wonderful to be with you again. I always look forward to being here, and it has been way too long. My wife, Mary, sends along her greetings as well. She's recovering from surgery and getting along well. We've both been very thankful for your prayers and the amazing, amazing love and care that we've received from all of you at St. John's. Thank you so very much. It, meant, it has meant a lot, and we know God has been with us throughout it all. Well, I've been excited about this Sunday ever since Pastor Tom told me we were going to do a series on the book of Jonah. Because Jonah is one of my favorite 
books in the Bible. It's my favorite because of Jonah, of course. Jonah is my guy. Jonah is my man. He's just like me. Or actually, I'm just like him. And I suspect that you're a lot like him too. In my case, well, you've probably been wondering why an old guy like me is just now in seminary starting preparing to be a pastor. After all, shouldn't I be easing my way into retirement and sharpening my golf game? I don't play golf, by the way, and the reason for that will probably be a sermon illustration sometime down the road. I sensed a call, a strong sense of call, to become a pastor 45 years ago. But I didn't do it. Of course, like everything else we do wrong, we blame others. So I'll blame my dad. He talked me out of it. And I used that excuse to do something else all those years. Meanwhile, I still knew that God was asking me to become a pastor all along. Answering God's call on my life wasn't my dad's to answer. It was mine. So just a couple years ago, when my pastor reminded me that I could still go to seminary, well, I was out of excuses. And so now part of me regrets the years I have missed as a pastor. You see, I'm a lot like Jonah. You have things in common with Jonah like I do? Well, you may recall that in chapter 1, God asked Jonah to go to the city of Nineveh and preach against it. Nineveh was a wicked, evil, vile place, and Jonah wanted no part of going there. He effectively told God no. So instead of going up to Nineveh, he booked a passage on a ship going to Tarshish, on the map up there. Tarshish is about as far away as you can get in the then-known world if you want to run away. So we pondered the question, how far can we run from God? Well, this is an interesting question when we're thinking about the story of Jonah, but the more interesting answers come from you and from me. Because, truth be told, we all have a Jonah story of our own. So God took extraordinary measures to bring Jonah back. And this is the part of the story that many of us remember when we're talking about the story of Jonah. He was swallowed by a big fish. So it's at this juncture of the story that I need to take a time out. I need to take a time out to have another conversation. Because this is going to be kind of a sermon inside of a sermon. Can we talk? There used to be a comedian on the Johnny Carson show, some of you are too young to remember that, named Joan Rivers, who would come onto the show 
and she would sit down to talk to Joni, and she would begin, to talk, begin by saying, can we talk? I used to think she was so funny when she did that. So I want to ask, can we talk? Now, don't raise your hands, but have you ever found anything about God or Jesus or the Christian faith hard to understand or maybe even hard to believe? There are lots of things that we might find hard to believe. Is God real? How about God's character and his nature? What is God really like? How about the creation story? Lots of discussion and debate about that. The virgin birth of Jesus. Jesus' death and resurrection. How about that God actually loves you? And that he cares about you at all? Or that God forgives you? There could be lots of other things that are difficult for us to believe, or at least to understand. Well, the reason I paused right here in the middle of the story of Jonah to talk about this is because I have true confessions. When it comes to the parts of the Christian story that I have struggled to believe, this one has dogged me for years. Jonah and the whale. Jonah was swallowed by a whale. And in the stories I heard, it was always a whale. But even so, I had a lot of questions, and there weren't very many good answers. How would Jonah fit inside the whale? How could he breathe and survive for three days inside the whale? One of the stories I had about Jonah growing up pictured him inside the whale, sitting at a, at a table with a candle, he had a chair, and he had a bottle of wine. Now, I'm no drinker, but I can understand why you might want the wine in that situation. <laughs> Nevertheless, how does this all fit in? Another book I had was even worse. I had a picture of Jonah cooking at a little kitchenette inside the whale. It was as if he had a 700-square-foot studio apartment in there. These are old books now, and I searched high and low so that I could bring you the pictures, and I couldn't find them. They're all cute, but for me, they just made it harder to believe anything. Now, truth be told, I would have still struggled even without the picture books. Because the idea of someone being swallowed by a fish doesn't make any sense to me. Maybe there's something about the Christian faith that doesn't make sense to you. Maybe you're still wrestling to understand or even to believe some things. I'm here to tell you that's okay, that's allowed. The God who is real is strong enough and true enough to bear your doubts and the difficulties you have in trusting him and believing in him. Now, I'm not talking about the times when we dig our heels in, when our hearts are hardened, or when we refuse to hear him. I'm not talking about those times when we're not teachable. 
I'm not talking about our stubbornness. Those are different issues when sin is involved. But there are many times when we want to be close to God that we still struggle to understand and to trust. And we still wonder if he's near. Please be assured that even when you doubt, even when you question, God is real, God is here, God is patient as our faith grows. And the best thing is that God loves you through it all. Faith is a gift from God. Scripture is bursting with encouragement from people who, just like you and I, were unable to escape the trials of doubt and questioning. For example, when times are uncertain, the psalmist urges us to taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. The Gospel of Mark recounts a story where a father asked Jesus to heal his son if he could. Jesus countered that everything is possible to one who believes. So immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. How many times could that be our prayer as well? Lord, I do believe. Help my unbelief. Similarly, the Apostle Paul acknowledges that growing our faith is a process. This is good and pleases our Savior, he writes, who wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And one more. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but how much now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Remember, faith is a gift given to us by God. There's nothing we can do to earn it. But God is with us in giving us faith and growing us, growing our faith throughout our lives. Well, the story of Jonah... finally made sense to me when I learned what the story is all about. As Pastor Tom is, has already mentioned, it's not about Jonah. And it's not about a whale or a big fish or a sea monster. The book of Jonah is an allegory. And an allegory is a literary device designed to tell a story in a way that reveals a deeper hidden meaning. Well, the meaning within the story of Jonah is all about how far God will go to bring us back to himself. The story of God's grace. The story of restoration. So when we ask how far can we run from God, as we did three weeks ago, Jonah's story answers that question. Well, getting back to the story of Jonah, 
He's inside the great fish. And as he was being thrown off the ship into the sea, Jonah was hoping for, to die, but God intervened with the fish. So now inside the fish, he's not dead. Jonah was out of options. He prayed to God. Jonah recognized his dismal state and asked God to rescue him. Well, naturally, God does what God does. He showed Jonah grace. He ordered the fish to vomit Jonah out onto dry land. Now, if Jonah was hoping for the adventure to be over, he was sorely disappointed. God immediately commanded Jonah to go to Nineveh. In other words, God said, go do what I already told you to go do. Somebody told me a long time ago, there's only two ways to do things. The right way and again. In other words, to do it again. That's similar to the only answers that we can give God when God calls us to do something. Yes, Lord, or yes, Lord, later. Later on, we say that. That's what Jonah was going through. His first answer was no. But God didn't give up on Jonah. Jonah didn't get a pass, nor did Jonah get off the hook. He got to say, yes, Lord, later on. Did I happen to mention why I'm going to seminary at this age in my life? I think I did. Because I'm like Jonah. Jonah went to Nineveh and warned them that, that in 40 days God would destroy him, them. The Ninevites were wicked, evil, vile people, and Jonah couldn't stand them. He wanted no part in going. You'd think that Jonah had learned some lessons after the boat, the storm, and the fish. But despite his seafaring adventures, he was still unhappy about having to go to Nineveh. But he begrudgingly obeyed. Our obedience is often all it takes. Our efficiency and our effectiveness almost never enter into the equation when we're obeying God. And God, Jonah did the bare minimum. He did no more than he had to do. But, because of Jonah's obedience, Nineveh repented. They believed in God, and God did not bring upon the destruction upon them that he had threatened. So now, we finally arrived at chapter 4, the scripture we read at the beginning this morning, where we immediately find out Jonah's reaction. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He, <clears throat> he prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is exactly what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. Can you believe this guy? He's angry. He doesn't want Nineveh to be saved. He still wants them to be destroyed. In fact, he's trying to be, keep God from being God. I told you so, he says in anger to God. I knew you'd do this. This is exactly what I tried to stop by getting on the ship. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. 
Now, Lord, take away my life, it is, for it is better for me to die than to live. Is Jonah God's enemy now? Jonah would rather die than for God to be what he is. Gracious, compassionate, patient, and loving. This is almost unbelievable. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah didn't, doesn't answer God's question just yet, but we know he's angry. Meanwhile, God being God, does what God does. He blesses Jonah with some cool shade. Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in his shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. Oh, yeah, it's all about him now, so now he's happy. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die. He said, it would be better for me to die than to live. Now hear Jonah's response to God's next question. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, self-righteously. And I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. Now we know that Jonah is totally human. And you and I are much the same way. When other people, like Ninevites, do terrible things, we want them to be punished. Punished. We want justice. But when it comes to ourselves, oh, we want grace. Pastor Tom told us that this story was going to get personal and uncomfortable, and now it has. This book isn't about Jonah. It's about us. Every one of us. Every single day. God finishes the story. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it, that you did not make it grow. It sprang up overnight and it died overnight. And should I not have concern about for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are even more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals. Even though Jonah was disobedient, rebellious, cantankerous, and angry in so many ways, we see that God's grace and love for Jonah, and also for you and for me, abounds. So we began this series by asking, how far can we run from God? And now we see that we can't. We cannot outrun God. No matter what you've done, no matter where you are in life, no matter how hopeless you feel, God loves you and wants to bring you home to himself. 
So much so that his son Jesus died on a cross, rose again, and forgives you of all your sins. The Apostle Paul reassures us of this very truth. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, or anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Please know that God loves you. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you that even though we are like Jonah and we have a lot of runaway moments, you love us and you are bringing us home and that you sent your son Jesus to show that you love us and you forgive us all our sins. And we thank you in his precious name. Amen. Amen.